on this week, we are going to talk about the final rule of writing by Robert Heinlein, which is... Well, rule four is you must put your story on the market. And then rule five is you must keep it on the market until it has sold. All right. We'll get into that in a second. But before, if you haven't purchased Bookworms, the Valentine's Day issue, it is available. The Etsy link is in the show notes. And I liked what you did on your video. And there's a YouTube channel called Regina's Haunted Library, also in the show notes. But on that, you did a the gothic... Um, the first two the books of hearts. yeah the gothic hearts thing but yeah. you brought up the you you had all four of the uh, bookworms mm-hmm. they do look really good together they do look great together and I was thinking on the way I, I was taking my dog to the groomer and I was coming back and I'm thinking we could have digital downloads of these Uh-oh. but we no no I don't want to and I know you we've decided this is not the thing but I hope people who have purchased the ones that have sold out. Are keeping them nice because mm, mm-hmm. I was thinking eventually you could trade them with someone if you wanted to, or um, let's just say someone ends up doing really well and their earlier stuff is in bookworms. Yeah, I mean that's going to be something uh, of a collector's item, and Definitely. I I like that about it. I'm a, you know me, too. I'm a I'm a nerd collector. I know. And that really makes me excited when we talk about bookworms being limited and you can only get these while they're out. And then it's, and like I said, it's not like it's hard for us to put them out as digital downloads and we could make more money that way. Um, But we're learning. And we may do a digest down the road. Yeah, down the road. um, But I'm talking about the actual physical copies of these. Oh, yeah. Once they're gone, they're gone. So pick up that Valentine's Day one because that's. That's going to be our first one of Valentine's Day, which will be another thing, like, you know, the very first yeah. Valentine's Day episode or issue, which is really cool. Very cool. And, you know, it's uh, I, it's like what you were talking about uh, before we started recording, the thrill of finding that signed rare copy of something in a thrift store. Yeah. There, There is that sense of there's not, there aren't a lot of bookworms out there. So uh, if you get one, you get one. It's, it's, a, it's a good feeling. It is. Now, you, I just brought up YouTube. You did your Gothic um, Hearts, I guess. I, I like that. Explain why there is a bingo card, which I thought was really cool, and how you checked them off. So explain well, that about oh, it. Oh, the bingo card. I didn't invent the bingo card. That's I don't know who came up with that. That's been something that's been floating around in BookTube for a while. But basically, it's a bingo card with all the different challenges listed on it, plus other things that might overlap. And as you read, you can just cross it off and it, it, it gives a feeling of satisfaction. And then if you hit bingo, you don't really get a prize, but you get a good <laughs> feeling about it. But it's just fun. It's It makes it kind of fun for the participants. And I just uploaded another video yesterday for Valentine's Day. So I'm continuing with my Gothic reading. And I also did some writing. I, I actually submitted a story. Oh, an anthology this morning. Excellent. Yeah. That's I really got inspired cool. by uh, Highland's rules. I know. They are definitely inspiring. They inspire me. I don't think I have anything new up on YouTube, but I will be doing something soon, I'm sure. I like your YouTube videos, so I want you to keep doing them. I Thank shared you. your last one. And then Instagram, we're at Bookworms Horror Zine. Find and I'm us. taking an Instagram break. Yeah, you're taking a break from social media for Lent. I right. saw that. 
Well, just not YouTube, just Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, they're both the same company. So you're taking a break from Meta. <laughs> yes. The Meta I'm break. Breaking the, breaking the chains from Meta. <laughs> Well, I will be still on the bookworms one. I mean, okay. literally, the only thing I've been doing on my personal one is scanning photos of my family. I and, know, I like those pictures. Yeah, I'm enjoying that. My my cousin, so my Aunt Dot just died maybe a month ago. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so the cousins are going through all this stuff, and they're giving me like all the photos and things to document everything. So I'm I'm going through scanning, and I'm going to be getting slides soon. But I did find oh, I at the slides. thrift store, and I've been posting these, I found a, a bunch of slides that somebody must have put away. Like, I guess it was in oh. the um, it was in the carousel at the thrift store, and they had the slides, so I bought it, like a couple bucks. And so I'm going yeah. through, and I'm scanning the slides, and it's basically, it basically looks like somebody's trip to Israel. And okay. so I'm posting those, which is a lot of fun, because it's like a mystery. What's on this but slide? That, but that sounds like that could be the start of a mystery yeah, a murder, like a murder mystery. Well, I always like that on the slides. The idea of finding some kind of negative or some photo that is part of something, right? That I know starts it's... a whole line of a story. Great, great stuff. So, if anybody's mm -hmm. listening and wants to uh, experiment with that kind of story, that would be a fun little project. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good idea. Um, Carney. Yeah, Carney's still going strong. Did you see Karen's? Uh, Cameron yes. Cheney's, uh, when, what, I love the title. Let's see if I can find it. So it says, when you're an innocent little horror reader and your horror book gets unexpectedly steamy. Yeah. Uh, and it's got a nice little thumbnail of Cameron sitting there reading Carney. Yeah, he said he loved it. So and, uh, hopefully, you know, yeah, it definitely like it, it gets steamy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, people are a bit divided on it. I, I had a someone sent me a message on Facebook. It said, uh, more horror, less soft porn, please. So I was like, uh, okay, it's not F for you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't respond. I don't understand. Book. First of all, what gives that didn't person a right to, to be... tell you what to do? I know, but didn't horror used to be kind of steamy? Oh, and... I complain about that all the time. Nothing aggravates me more than somebody dictating what an artist mm. should do. I agree. I am, I am 100% like, with you on You that. could say, you know what, I didn't like it. And it could be, I'm not really into the sex stuff. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I thought it was really good. That's different than saying, hey, next time you write a book, less this and more that. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can see why, uh, I can see where someone, and I've, I've been this way too, where it's like, well, this isn't really to my taste, but, but it's another thing to dictate like you said how someone should write and I, I find that more maybe that's why I'm taking a break from social media as well I do find there's a lot of that online in the bookish community and I I just I think it's bad if you like this podcast please give us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you're listening to and that would be wonderful we would love to see yep, that we would love to see that so let's talk about the fifth rule and it's basically when you bring yourself to market keep trying to get it sold Right. You must keep it on the market until it has sold. This and is... it, I, I mean, I'd like to, well, go ahead, but I have, I wanted to quote from this article again. Yeah, why don't you do that first? Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is again, same as last year. This is called On Writing by Robert J. Sawyer, copyright 1996. And it's on the Science Fiction Writer website. 
make sure I give him credit. So here we go. It's a fact. Work gets rejected all the time. And certainly your first submission will be rejected. Don't let that stop you. I've currently got 142 rejection slips in my files. Every professional writer I know has stacks of them. The prolific Canadian horror writer Ido Van Belkom does a great talk at science fiction conventions called Thriving on Rejection, in which he reads samples from the many he's acquired over the years. And it goes on a bit, which I, I can go back to it and read a little more, but I think that that's pretty fair. I have gotten, I don't send out that many submissions, but most of them have been rejected, I have to say. And this rule you? is all about perseverance. Absolutely. I think I would love to challenge anyone, uh, like a little mind uh, test right now. Imagine getting rejected for the next five years. Mm. You work hard for the next five years and you get nothing but rejections. Will you continue to do this? Like, does that sway you from wanting to write? That's a good question. If it does, then I really think you should question if you want to be doing this for publication because it may take you five years. It may take you 10. It may never happen. And then you have to decide what is it that you're doing? Like, why are you doing this? And, you know, uh, just to go with a classic story of rejections that Stephen King had a big nail that he had on his wall. Right. And he like filled it up with, with rejections and had to get a bigger nail. Like he got rejected a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that's just a classic tale, but this is the same everywhere. Yes. And it's not really a reflection of the quality of your work necessarily. I think there are so many elements involved. Mostly it's just highly competitive. So you're competing with many stories for just a few slots. And I was saying, I sent out a story this morning for an anthology. It was actually the one that you and I discussed a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you sent your story in yet. I know you were. Which one? The clown one. Wow. You sent it in already? Yeah. Sorry. No, I well, mean, I'm you... not, I'm, this is not a competition of like, no, it's not a competition. You're meeting first. the deadline. The deadline's coming up in it's April, April 1st. You still got all of February and March, write another one. They can take two. Oh gosh. I, I just wanted to get that out of, you know, out of me, but I was looking at that and saw that, uh, 70% of that anthology is an invite, which is, is pretty much the standard. And then 30% for submissions. So you're competing. I'm I'm also competing against you when you send your story <laughs> in, and uh, and only of the thirty percent that's left. So it's not a reflection, and I don't expect that story to get accepted. I mean, I should think positively and do like the secret and imagine. Yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah, imagine that. both so, of our stories yes, in that anthology. We both get accepted. We both get accepted, uh, but I guess I do that trick to with myself. You don't want to get up, get up your hopes. If I got accepted, it would be pleasantly a pleasant surprise. But if not, I'd be like, ah, it happens. Sometimes I've been surprised about when some of my stories got rejected, but you know. Well, let me ask you this, because this is what the rule is about. Let's say you wrote this story, you send it in, it gets rejected. The rule is you keep submitting it until it gets sold. Are you right. going so, to do that? Well, this is what this guy says um, about that. 
If the rejection note contains advice you think is good, revise the story and send it out again, which kind of refutes the other uh, rule, but maybe not. Uh, if not, then simply turn the story around, pop it in the mail. This is back in the 90s. Sending it to another market. Keep at it. My own record for the maximum number of submissions before selling a story is 18. But the story did eventually find a good home. And within days, I sold it again to a reprint-only anthology. Getting a story in print the first time opens up whole new markets. Well, that's interesting. He put that in parentheses. So once your story's been accepted, like with Stephen King, perhaps, he had all those rejections. Once he, he had one published, then it got the ball rolling. Yeah. And and then, well, he, he adds here, if your story is rejected, send it out that very same day to another market. In other words, get back on the horse. Don't get too worried about it. Yeah. And I don't think it contradicts the earlier rule because the earlier rule is do not uh, revise except for editorial demand. Okay. So that's kind so of that could be considered demand. that. Yeah. If somebody sends something back and says, hey, we really like this, but we think that here's some changes, that could fit into that rule. Yeah. And then he just adds here, uh, the last thing, a still of our six remaining writers, because each in his article, each rule eliminated more, three will be so discouraged by the first that first rejection that they'll give up writing for good, but three more will keep at it. Yeah. So, So how many writers really excellent writers have we lost because not that they died but whose work we lost because they got discouraged rejections just part of it and i think we need to think of it like a job and I, like i think if you actually want it and again i get this if you're working full time it's very hard yeah but find the whatever time you have and make that like your office time where you can't be disturbed and you work. And then if you send something out and it comes back, you're like, okay, I love the, the, what you said earlier from that guy, that article you read, mm -hmm. that the story found, eventually found its home. Yes. Kind of like that. Kind of like, like a, that. adopting a pet. Yeah. You know, it you don't wasn't want... right for that place, but it could be right somewhere else. Yeah. It's really hard to separate your brain. But if you thought of your part of your brain that does the submissions as an assistant. That's a good analogy. Like Very what good. if you were an assistant to a writer and all yeah. your job was to submit things and if it gets rejected, I need you to submit it to someone else. Like that's yeah, what like the instructions the, from the writer is. You're the secretary. Yes. Well, those are, those are the different hats a creative person wears. So when you do, when you do send out that, like I sent out my story this morning and I, you know, because I've been doing this for years now, I don't get as emotionally attached to it as I used to, you know, where it's like, this would be that, that rejection or acceptance would be a rejection or acceptance of me. No, it's my story. And I'm, and I'm separate from that. It doesn't, it's not any kind of judgment on me as a person or, or whether I should be an artist or not. So I think we sometimes get, I mean, I didn't really experience that as a writer, but because I was older, but when I was uh, back in, when I was really young, I was going out for auditions as, as an actress. And I remember getting very like upset <laughs> when I was rejected because it felt like they were rejecting me, you know, 
And it, it takes a while to develop a thicker skin when it comes to that stuff. It's like, okay, I sent it out. I have actually two stories now at, that are out I'm waiting to hear back from. So who knows? I might, I might be upset, but I doubt it if I'll be that upset. Because yeah, I know the reality. As, as an editor of Bookworms, I see the other side, like I've said before, and I know it's not personal. I think you can't allow yourself when it comes to this rule. Can't, you cannot allow yourself. Well, some people argue this, but you cannot allow yourself the time to get upset. If it comes back and is rejected, that's why they're saying the same day, send it back out. Don't give right. it time. Now, some people argue have a mourning period if you need to, but make it a very short morning period and, and, and have a time <laughs> like, okay, for two hours today, I'm going to be sad that my story got rejected. And after that, I'm done yeah. with that. Yeah. If, if you can do that, that, that's good. But it's, I think what happens sometimes is there's a lot of emotional weight in this activity of setting something out because it, especially if it's the first time you've ever done it, and you might be scared or thinking that, oh, I'm making a fool out of myself. This sucks. Everybody will get rejected. And it's this rule is not about getting rejected. No. This rule is about you just keep putting it out there until it gets sold. And yes. I have a new thing I'm going to attempt is having a specific day of the week that I work on older short stories okay revising them to what i feel they are their best and then sending them out until they get sold and that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna do like mondays i will work on a story until it gets uh to my satisfaction and then i'm gonna put them out and just do what this rule is about because i have a lot of them that are just done and they might need to just be tweaked or they might not need to be tweaked but i want to see if yeah. i can send them out until they I think get that's sold good. I, I have some in my, up in my attic, I have some before the internet, some typed and even handwritten short stories of mine that I maybe should pull out if I have the courage and dust them off and see where my mind was at when I was you know, 18, 19 years old. Kind of fun. That I'm sure it was fun. a lot more serious <laughs> than I am now. But uh, yeah, and, and then there's, if you want, there's this rule six that this guy has added. Okay. So let's hear it. Take a look. Uh, start working on something else. That's my own rule, he writes. I've seen too many beginning writers labor for years over a single story or novel. As soon as you finish one piece, start on another. Don't wait for the first story to come back from the editor you've submitted it to. Get to work on the next project. And if you find you're experiencing writer's block on your current project, be begin writing something new. A real writer can always write something. That's interesting. That's a challenge. You must produce a body of work to count yourself as a real working pro. And then his last thoughts on this whole thing is, of our original 100 wannabe writers, only one or two will follow all six rules. The question is, will you be one of them? Yeah. I hope so. Because if you have at least a modicum of talent, and if you live by these six rules, you will make it. That's a great idea. You know, I love this song. This idea of being a real writer, I think that's a challenge. And I, I actually applaud that. I'm not saying there are real, real writer artists and 
unreal, but it's like to be a writer, you have to be writing. Yes. And if we go back to the analogy of it's your day job, even if you're working part time, if you go into the office, you have to be working, right? Like you have to yeah. be doing something, right? So if you send something out, you don't go in the next day to work just to sit there and wait. You work right. on the next thing. So yeah. I think I think it's working continuously on something, wearing different hats, right? And just doing the job when you sit down in front of your typewriter or your computer. Right, because we all play different roles in our lives. And when, we, when we're cooking, we're the cook. And when we're cleaning, we're the maid, if you want to put it that way, or, or we're whatever we do, the chauffeur, all the different tasks that we do in our life we can approach writing the same way. I when when I do my creative mode, which is usually in very early in the morning, I'm in a different place mentally than later in the day when I've got a whole list of things I need to do. And maybe that's a good time to send out a story or to to check on uh, keep you know I keep a a writing journal, just kind of seeing what I did that day and. and checking things off the list or whatever it is, going to the, the post office. And that, that's, a, that's a feeling of satisfaction to do that too. So it doesn't have to be all this doom and gloom around the rejection. You know what I mean? It, it's sort of like, okay, now I've never gotten a, a nasty rejection letter. Have you? No. Okay. So I think that the fear is more of internal. Because I think the fear becomes like, oh, someone, I'm going to expose myself as a, as a fraud, as a charlatan. I, I can't write. I suck. And then maybe because of that internal monologue, negative monologue, you, you, you do a half-ass effort, you know? Well, what I like about the book I've been bringing up, if you want to write, is the author, she talks a lot about being truthful in your writing and how if you go back before like publishing was really a thing, people wrote, like she says, men used to write sonnets because that's what they did. Yeah. And if you go back to ancient Greece, people didn't write back then because they were making money or with the idea well, of getting published. Well, most people couldn't write. <laughs> they couldn't write. Most people couldn't write. But the ones who could, there was something about it. They didn't like write because they were hoping to get published. And they didn't write because they were going to make money off of it. Maybe they were hoping to seduce the, the lady fair. Whatever your motives are. Right. But the motives aren't what we people have motives for today. Like what she's trying to get at is that the art of it. You know, you're not going to write your best work if your focus is on uh, money, you know, or something to that effect. Because or TikTok or this this book talk. I think that yes, books are getting published through these platforms, but I think that's a tricky business. I really do. I think there's something to be said for really developing your craft, and this is coming from an older person, but you know, really developing your craft and, and writing as the best quality work you can, and then try to, uh, try to find the, the right home for it. And also this putting something on the market, you could self-publish. 
Yes. You don't have to put it out there until someone buys it. You can buy it yourself. So here's my question. With mm -hmm. traditional publishing, we have gatekeepers. We have people who are saying, no, this is not um, up to what we expect quality-wise. Yeah. If you're self-publishing, you have to have that hat as well. Yes. How does one who is self-publishing, and I, I, you know the answer, but I'm going to say like, you know, how, if you're self-publishing, how do you make sure you're putting out your best work? Well, I have gotten so much better with quality control. I thought my, my work was ready when my first books came out. And then I realized now that they're not formatted right. I've got typos, you know, all these things that I thought, because I couldn't really see it. And I've just gotten better at, at, at putting out better quality work, which I think is pretty much the trajectory for most writers that are doing this. Uh, Derek Murphy has a thing where he says, you, you know, instead of being precious about that, that first book, just fail quicker, he, he says. <laughs> it's like, not that you should put out crap, but you know, if you're putting out a lot of stuff, you'll, you'll figure out from the feedback what you're doing wrong what you're doing right and but but honestly everyone has to come up with their own strategies for doing this and it's not a one fits all one size fits all type of thing yeah i think i've heard that same thing expressed as fail forward oh fail forward okay I don't know yeah that might be also fail quicker you know but mm -hmm. yeah fail forward you if you're self publishing you don't have a publishing company there to do all the stuff that they do for you whatever that right. may be. So you have to make sure that you're doing those things and you won't know all those things. And that's what fail forward means. You know, you're going to learn as you go and that's okay. You know? Yes. Um, but yes. the, like, the I, important the, thing the, is to learn. Is to learn. If you're and doing not, things and not, not going back and saying, how could I have done this differently or better? or what did I learn from this and how can I use that as an opportunity moving forward, then you're not doing your best work if you don't do those things. Yeah, and we've talked a lot before about fear being something that really holds people back and in creative work. And I, I think that's true too in the, in the self-publishing because I've seen this online uh, on some like YouTube, like booktubers I follow who want to write. They, they review books, but they talk sometimes about how they want to write. And I've always try to be encouraging but I, I hear this a lot but I don't know how to do it maybe someone can show me how to do the self-publishing thing and I think mm. it's kind of like if you can figure out how to post YouTube videos you can figure out how to self-publish you can figure out I, anything with the internet today I know there's really no excuse there is no so excuse you can you can figure it out. I and built a Muppet from just watching videos. I know. On Are you done your Mo Muppet? He's yet? not finished. I'm still doing the eyes. I'm trying to okay. figure out the eyes, but he is very, uh, one of them is almost complete, but I'm amazed that when I look at it and play with it, I'm like, wow, this is, uh, it works. Yeah. It looks good. And you know, I've been, I've taught myself how to sew. I never knew how to sew. So wow. not knowing how to publish, I get that, but there is so many things out there to help you with this. Yes, and I, I really recommend, if you're serious and you're going to put out enough books to make it worthwhile, I 
seriously recommend a uh, two software uh, Scrivener, which took me a really long time to get the knack of, and Vellum. I use both of those, and they've made my life so much easier. And YouTube, there are several tutorials, especially on Scrivener. Mm-hmm. And we're not we don't we're not sponsoring either. No, one. we're not sponsored. I use Scrivener as well, but I've watched YouTube videos, and there's this guy. I'll see if I can find it. And I'll put it in the show notes. But he talks about all right. The first like five minutes is going to probably be all you need, but if you want to go further, you can watch more than that. And it's like he goes into everything, but you really don't need a lot of what Scrivener can do. No. And it's amazing what it can do, but the average person doesn't need to even use most of that stuff. But yeah, I, like I, it. I, I don't use I don't use it probably. As, I have been I have started using like the notes and the scenes more and the character descriptions as I'm working. It's it's really helpful because then you don't have to go through like a file folder of like oh what color were his eyes I forget you know yeah and that's what it was developed for to have everything in one place and that's why I like it. You're right. I don't have to go look for photos or my notes app and things. Everything's sitting there in one project. Yeah, and there have been some platforms that I or some software that I won't mention that I tried that didn't work for me. So there are tools out there to help you get started, and tons of tutorials and and uh, YouTube videos about positive thinking, <laughs> all kinds of things. Yeah, so, so it's, it's it's really you, you just the only person stopping you is probably yourself. Yeah, and you need to develop the habits if you want. Um... A good book, it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, I've heard of that. It's a very good book. Maybe you've mentioned it to me. Yeah. And it talks about how you can develop habits. And that's what's really the trick to doing this is that we are are creatures of habit. Everything you do, even not writing, has become a habit. Mm -hmm. And so what you need to do is reprogram yourself to have things that you want to do become habits and then you are what you've done. You are what your habits are. And so this book talks a lot about that. It's a very good book. I mean, I could probably with the time I'm saving during Lent, not looking at Facebook and Instagram, I could probably write a few short stories. Yes. You could write a few short stories by just like avoiding Netflix. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I, I find myself reading more now. And Good. not watching TV as much. Um, yeah. Well, Joe I have... and I try to, we'll watch TV at night, but then I'm usually, a, we started watching True Detective, which is very good. Oh, which one? one? The one with Jody, Jody Foster? Yeah. Oh my yes. God. Yeah, we are watching that. And yeah, it's good. we're not that far in, but it's good. She's great. I know. And, I, you know, she hasn't acted in, I haven't seen her in any like acting role in a, a long time. So it's, it's really fun to see it her work. It is fun to see her do her job and do it well and be that kind of like, it's a, it's a, I think a interesting role for her. Mm-hmm. She's it is. not it's very likable. No. Um, at first, and I don't you know, know if she becomes very... likable, but in the beginning it's like, whoa, did she, what did she just say? Yeah. And it's refreshing to see a woman her age with no Botox. Oh my God. That's, I think Sarah and I had said the same thing. Like (laughs) she looks so good. She looks so good, but she's older. Yeah. She looks like a, like she aged naturally. And that's what looks so nice about her. Like I know she doesn't have like Muppet lips and 
And there's a shot of her uh, that and the scene we were watching last night where she opens a refrigerator door and the, the lighting on her face is very harsh. And you can really see every line. And I said to Joe, well, you can really see the lines on her face and she doesn't care. <laughs> like there's something beautiful. I think a lot of, because she's a producer, a lot of actresses would be like, and I probably that be that way too. It's like, I'm not going to put that lighting on me, you know? Uh, but it's, but it's wonderful. It also... And she, she looks beautiful. She looks like herself. Yes. I'm tired of seeing these actresses and not just actresses, the men do it too, that they don't even look like themselves anymore. You, like Nicole Kidman. She was so I mean, she's what still that beautiful, thing she was I guess, just but, in. but she just looks so different. She looks creepy now. Yeah, she looks She really was in creepy. some movie or TV show, and she looks scary as hell. Mm -hmm. But the thing also is when it comes to story, there's no way that this detective in this town is going to look like a Hollywood <laughs> actress, either good or bad. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a very harsh environment they live in. Yeah. She I is, like the other actress too very much. She's really good. Yeah, actually, the entire cast is very good. And I'm just saying, though, you're living in this town with this environment, with this history. You're not going to look like you're from Hollywood, and that's no. that's part of storytelling too. I know, and I was noticing with Jodie Foster, her face. I was just like, her eyes are so stunning, and I just was just appreciating the way she looked. But it, it, it was off-putting because we're not used to seeing people's real faces. Yeah, and we I mean, should off-putting in a and good we way. Be, right. We should be. And that was what, I mean, I just saw on, not to go off on a tangent, because, you know, I, I wrote on mass, which was all about plastic surgery. But I saw a, a, an image just recently of Megan Fox, who was the most beautiful woman ever. And she was like doing, I know you liked her. Mm-hmm. She's like doing the big lips and it's like, no, why? Like, don't, don't destroy. Uh, you know, the at the same time, I find it hard to, I get it. We get it. We're from a different place. I don't know what yeah. it would be like to be Megan Fox, to have been every male fantasy and then not get any work and living in a town like Hollywood and being surrounded by people who do that. Yeah. Because that's what you need to do to get work. So I'm not judging because no, I don't know that either. world. And I can't imagine what it would be like for a woman in that world when that is your your main thing is your looks. I think it would be you know, back in the day the there, there were the the grand the grand dames like Betty Davis and Joan Crawford who refused to ever retire, and they became the what they became was then they were great and they worked as older actresses, but for most female act actors actresses they're kind of like off the shelf at age thirty, you yes. know, and it's like I've we've seen them come and go over and over. There's always the new girl and they don't last very long and it's sad because a lot of them are super talented yeah. and a lot of uh, them but there's this they, thing where you know they are want it for everything and then the scary part is when they start wanting them to be the mom in the show and then it's like you know your career's almost over yeah because like you're you, the young mom and then after that there's nothing until possibly you get to play the queen right and then you be you could be the 
the, the grand dame when you're like in your 60s then you come back right but like, you don't get yeah. that whole part where you're not working that's where i think this uh, plastic surgery comes in yeah i think you're right i think that the the insecurity but it doesn't I, I, there are probably some people who have had really good plastic surgery and it's so good we don't know. But in general, I can always tell and it doesn't it doesn't really look good. Like now a lot of these actor actresses are getting their the fat removed under their cheekbones. So they get that chiseled look. Yeah. And it like the girl, I forget her name, the blonde who was the flavor of the month. You know, she was in the witch. Mm, I don't know. I'll tell you who, to me... But she got that done, and I'm like, oh, wow, she she looks really different. To me, I think Meg Ryan really did it. No, no, Uh, nothing good. I know. And Meg Ryan was like... how cute... Yes. How cute she would have still looked. Yeah, if she didn't touch anything. She would have looked amazing. Now it's like, you can see it, though. That's the thing. You can see the fake plastic everywhere. Have you ever seen Escape from L.A., the sequel to Escape from New York? No. Oh, yeah. You know what? Wait, is Adrienne Barbeau in that? No. No, she's in the original. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, maybe. But I, I don't if you haven't seen that. it, there's this great role that Bruce Campbell plays. And he is like the plastic surgeon of Hollywood in this oh, okay. post-apocalyptic no, I world. I, I would remember this. It is so funny. So I think it's actually, if you have Cinemax, it's on there now, Escape from L.A. But check it okay. out. I think it's a fun movie. It's obviously not as good as Escape from New York, but it's fun. And that Bruce Campbell role of being like the play like it's really bizarre but it's it's great okay i know we've totally gone off on a tangent but yeah yeah true detective is good yeah (laughs) (laughs) i haven't finished it yet but it's good i haven't either but it is good so let's just end there and let's just remind everyone to be to persevere if you have something now that you want to send it out send it out if it comes back send it back out let us know Including to bookworms send it to us yeah, send it to Bookworms. And that we didn't talk about that, but the, if you haven't yet, um, we're still taking submissions for the rock and roll horror yep. issue. That all the information for you to submit is in the show notes. I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to that. And I'm I'm super excited to see Charlie's artwork for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to come Me up too. with a comic. I'm trying to think what that will be. Um but yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. It's fun coming up with the themes. Yeah, so let's uh, end for this. And next week... Yeah, what are we going to talk about next week? We'll have to come up with a new idea. You know what I want to talk about next week? We're out of the rules. Yeah, we're out of the rules. But I want to talk about where you can submit your stuff. So I'm going to do a lot of research. Maybe if you want to, if you're a writer, maybe some places that we suggest you can try submitting short stories to. Not really novels, but if we find that, some places we'll take that. But the idea is, um, I want to talk, like, we have a rule here that you have to write, you have to do all this stuff, and then you have to submit, and you have to keep submitting. Let's talk next week about where you can find places to submit your work. Okay, sounds good. All right. I'll do some research. All right. And we'll see you next week. All right. It's good talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye.